Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Luke's English Podcast Premium, which is my paid subscription service in which I focus on teaching you vocab, grammar, and pronunciation to really boost your English. It includes a big library of audio episodes, video episodes, and PDFs, plus new content arriving all the time. You can get all the episodes in the Luke's English Podcast app or online. To get started and to find out more information, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're doing fine today. I'm all right. Thanks for asking. It's a Thursday afternoon. I've finished my teaching for the day. I'm at home. I've had lunch. It's now pouring with rain outside. The conditions are perfect for learning and teaching English in another new episode. So this one is going to be a deep dive into English accents. And we're going to look at some pronunciation features that are common in the non-standard forms of English accents, which basically means the regional accents that differ in various ways to standard English RP, like mine. So this episode should help you identify key differences between received pronunciation and the other accents that you hear sometimes. And it should help you decode a lot of regional versions of English. And remember, most people have a regional accent. I mean, most native speakers. Received pronunciation isn't really that common. It's only a small percentage of all the English speakers in, in well, all the British English speakers in the world. Only a small percentage actually use RP. Most people have some level of a, of a regional accent. And yet the course books, the pronunciation guides, the dictionaries and so on tend only to present received pronunciation as their model for learning English. I mean, it is the standard, the standard form of English pronunciation. So you can't blame the kind of published uh, materials for presenting that. But as a result of this, if you've kind of been exposed to English through those means, then as a result, you might find it really hard to understand people speaking in the real world or in other situations like realistic TV shows and films. And maybe that's because they're speaking with these sorts of uh, non-standard forms of pronunciation, these different accents. So this episode is about helping you understand how non-standard English accents differ from received pronunciation. But just before we start on that, though, I have got some admin. I've got bits of podcast admin and three announcements to make before we move on. Okay, so the first one is Wispolep, which um, if you've heard the previous episode, you'll know what that means. Why I should be on Luke's English Podcast. That is the latest competition that I've been running. I launched it in the last episode. So let's see. So the latest LEP competition is now open since I launched it in the last episode, Wispolep. 
If you're interested in taking part, just listen to the previous episode of this podcast to find out all the details. Now, I thought that I wouldn't get that many entries, but of course, I always underestimate this kind of thing. Uh, I have received quite a lot of entries. Thank you for those of you who have entered the competition. I've already had more than I thought I would get at this stage. And now I'm worried that I'll get too many entries. And what do I mean by too many entries? Well, just too many to make it manageable, right? At this stage, the competition closes on the 31st of October. But I've decided to bring forward the end date of the competition. Otherwise, I'll get so many entries, potentially, that I won't be able to deal with them all. It'll be too difficult to kind of fit them all into episodes. The competition will become too big. There'll be too many recordings for people to to listen to. So what I've decided to do is bring forward the deadline for the competition, okay? Now, I'm sure that this this is probably a terrible idea because it's going to confuse everybody. There's going to be at least one person who doesn't get the who doesn't get the memo, who didn't listen to this, skipped through it because they thought it was just all podcast sponsorship promotions and stuff. Maybe they don't realize um so there's bound to be some people who don't get the message and who are like, but, but, oh, but wait a minute. I thought it was the 31st of October. It's the 15th of October now. I'm going to have to do everything I can to get this message out. God, I hope I don't disappoint some people. But anyway, tell your friends, okay, that the date has changed to the 15th of October 2020. Listen to the previous episode to find out all the other details, okay? Hello, this is me interrupting myself. I just want to make that double, double extra super clear. The new date for the Luke's English Podcast competition is the 30... No. The new date for the Luke's English Podcast competition, Wispolep, is the 15th of October now. The 15th of October is the new deadline for the competition. Thank you. Right. The second thing is um, I want to say hello to any Lepsters in Prague in the Czech Republic. Hello. There's another Lepster meetup uh, happening in Prague on Saturday, the 17th of October, 2020, of course, from 5pm until probably about 10pm. Now, I suggest you join it. I suggest you join in, speak English, meet some like-minded people and play some board games in English, which is actually a really great way to work on your communication skills because it's fun and it makes you use English in specific ways. So the details again. Lepster Meetup in Prague. The date and time, Saturday the 17th of October from 5pm. The venue, Bohemia Boards and Brews. Bohemia Boards and Brews. A board, well, you know, is a board game. A brew, I suppose, is a beer. Maybe it's a coffee. You brew coffee, you brew tea, and you also brew beer. So I don't know which one it is. Maybe all three. Uh, the host will be Zdenek Lukas from Zdenek's English Podcast, who, as you know, lives in the Czech Republic and he organises these things from time to time. So Bohemia Boards and Brews is a board game cafe. Apparently lots of expats go there, a lot of English speakers go there. The owner is American. And so if you want to join in, okay, then there's two ways you should uh, do this. The first one is join a Facebook group that Zdenek's set up called Prague Lepsters. Okay, Prague Lepsters. And there you'll see an event for the for the meetup. That's where you, you know you need to click going, sign up there. Or you can send Zdenek an email just to let him know that you'll be there. This is important because he needs to know numbers. Okay. I mean he you know he doesn't need to learn maths. You know, 
He knows numbers, but you know what I mean. He needs to know how many people are coming to the meetup, okay? And his email is teacher, I think you know how to spell that, teacher Zdenek, that's spelled Z-D-E-N-E-K, so teacherzdenek at gmail.com. And you just write to him in the usual way. Hi, Zdenek, uh, just letting you know, I'll be coming to the meetup. My name is blah, blah, blah. See you there. Bye. Okay, cool, good. And the third thing is that recently I was interviewed on uh, someone else's podcast and I thought you might want to listen to it. So I was interviewed on the IELTS Speaking for Success podcast, which is co-hosted by Maria Moloshenko. The podcast is all about succeeding in the IELTS test. But our episode, the one that I was interviewed for, was all about how to use podcasts to improve your speaking. And we talked about approaches to using podcast episodes to learn English in various ways, including listening passively and actively and specific techniques that you can use. Maria herself is a successful language learner and she's a Lepster as well, long-term Lepster. And she has loads of good input as well. Uh, so you could listen to that. It's for everyone hoping to improve their English with podcasts. You can listen to me and Maria talking about all of these different approaches, strategies, techniques, and also attitudes that you need to use in order to, you know, use podcast as a tool to help you improve your speaking. Okay. Also, there is a PDF summary of all our advice, which is a really nice document that uh, Maria has produced. You can download it free. And yeah, so the PDF is a summary of all of our advice. And there's tons of advice in there, lots of useful stuff. You can find both the audio and the PDF linked on the page for this episode on my website. Uh, So that's on my website, teacherluke.co.uk and find, is this episode, what is this, 682? Is that right? And you're all going, yes, that's right, Luke, it's 682. Because you know, but I don't, because I need to check. Yes, 682. So find uh, teacherluke.co.uk, find the episode archive, find episode 682. And there you'll see links for the audio and the PDF for uh, my... um, interview on the IELTS Speaking for Success podcast. Um, Yes, or you could search your generic podcast app for IELTS Speaking for Success. And I was in series four, episode 10, and it was called Learning English Through Podcasts with Luke's English Podcast. Okay, right, good. So now we've got all the admin out of the way. Let's get into this episode all about English accents, key features of English accents. Here we go. So this episode is all about English accents, the regional versions that exist all over the country and how they generally differ from a standard English accent like mine, for example. We'll be looking at some very common features of English that are typical in England and which generally mark someone out as being from a certain place and from a certain background. We're not going into all the differences between each regional accent. For example, this is a Liverpool accent, this is a Manchester accent, and so on. I've done that before in previous episodes. You can search the episode archive for British accents and dialects. I think it's episode 56. So we're not going to be going through all the details of the different accents. Rather, we're just going to look at some features which are shared by lots of those different regional accents. Things that they share that are different to standard RP. So this feels like a premium episode because it's all about language. 
Uh, but I'm keeping it free, and what I'm going to do is record a follow-up premium episode, which will be full of pronunciation drills for you to practice saying things with these pronunciation features and without, like me. And that's coming soon to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Have you ever noticed any differences in the way that I speak and the way that some of other British people speak, like some of my guests, for example, the way that Paul Taylor speaks? The difference, well, the difference between me and Paul is actually quite subtle. To be honest, there's really only one main difference, one main feature of pronunciation that is different between the way he speaks and the way I speak. Some of you already know. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I know, I've noticed, Luke. Well, um, I tell you what, let's have a little listen. Let's listen back to a little snippet from a previous episode. So I'm now going to play you a little clip, just less than a minute, of Paul talking in episode 527 which was called can paul taylor pass the uk citizenship test which is basically where i gave paul a sample citizenship test to see if he could pass it so anyway you'll hear paul talking in that episode and i just want you to think about well what is this main difference between the way he says things and the way I say things. It's probably quite obvious from this clip, but here we go. Yeah, so the reason I'm asking <laughs> the reason I'm asking you, Paul, whether you have a British passport and all that stuff is is because I wanted to talk about the uh, citizenship test. Yes. So um, you don't have to take one, but do you reckon that you could pass a British, I, British I, citizenship test? I'm not sure. I spoke to my dad about this because his, um, his partner... Yeah. Um, is Brazilian, and so she had to take a citizenship to... I can't say it's the word. It's difficult to say citizenship. 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 Citizen, citizenship. Or I, uh, citizenship. My Russian friend when I was a kid called me British citizen. <laughs> you I'm are a British, a British citizen, I'm in a, a way. British citizen. Professional <laughs> British citizen. Citizen. Uh, so she took the test, and, and my dad was telling me ab- about the test, and he was like, yeah, it's really overly complicated. Like, uh-huh. it's, 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 it's not. It's not complicated, but it's stuff that... It is irrelevant if you want to live and work in England uh, or in anywhere in Britain nowadays. Uh huh. Because um, there was some like history questions that he didn't ha- he didn't know, and he's pretty decent. He's he knows a lot about history and stuff. Okay, there you go. So as I said, there's really only one main difference there in the way that Paul and I speak, but it's quite a big one in the world of English accents. Paul says things like this. He, he actually says it's really overly complicated and it's it's not it's not complicated but it's it's stuff that's irrelevant if you want to live and work in England and then about his dad he says he's pretty decent he knows a lot about history and stuff okay compared to the way i might say that which would probably be it's really overly complicated and it's it well it's not complicated but it's stuff that's irrelevant if you want to live and work in England he's pretty decent he knows a lot about history and stuff Okay, so as you may have noticed, the difference there is the way that Paul pronounces certain T sounds with a glottal stop. So, for example, saying citizenship rather than citizenship. So that sec- that sit the first T uh, I pronounce, but he doesn't. Now, I'm, I might do this occasionally, and I was thinking about this earlier. Do I do glottal stops fully, or do I just drop the T's off the ends of my words sometimes? I think it's that I sometimes drop the T's off. So I would say a lot of a lot of time, a lot of time. That is a glottal stop. A, gl- a lot of time. Oh, 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 that. Instead of a lot of time, a lot of time. But I don't say complicated. I say complicated. Complicated. So I don't say complicated. I'd say complicated. 
See, so I do drop T's up that, you know, this and that, that rather than this and that. Uh, but I would say water. I wouldn't say water. Okay. So Paul uses a glottal stop and I generally don't. That's the main difference, but it's quite a big one. Now, this episode is going to contain, you know, more than just the glottal stop. There's going to be about five, six more features that we're going, to, we're going to look at. So, okay, Paul and I speak a little bit differently. What does this mean then? How does this distinguish Paul and me then? Is it just a case of where he's from? Or is there more to it than that? Well, partly it's, it's where he's from. But it, there's more to it than that. The difference is just, a, it's really a, a subtle difference between the way that we speak. And um, which means that Paul's accent is influenced a bit more by where he comes from. And maybe he's from a slightly lower social class, but we're splitting hairs, really. It's probably more of a cultural one in the households in which we grew up. And maybe this is related to class, that you tend to find that families on the more sort of working class side of the spectrum tend to have these features rather than the families on the other side of the spectrum tend to not. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm better than Paul, although obviously I am better than Paul. It doesn't mean I'm better than Paul or anything like that. I did it then, didn't I? It doesn't mean I'm better than Paul. So sometimes I do it. It's weird. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. But um, I think I do it less than Paul. So what does this mean? It doesn't mean, you know, if I'm from a slightly different background class-wise than him, I mean, we're we're both completely middle class, absolutely completely middle class. But there is a difference. I mean, I grew up in what I often call to be a BBC household with a dad who went to Oxford and worked at the BBC for most of his career. That's why I call it a BBC household. And in our house, there wasn't much of a trace of an accent just because of the culture of the house. Maybe a, there was a bit of a Midlands accent or a Yorkshire accent, but generally it was received pronunciation. Maybe this is because my dad studied English at university. English was the subject he chose, and so he had a particular sort of... Well, he values a certain form of English, maybe. And then he went into broadcast journalism, and of course, received pronunciation is the standard accent in that world. So, speaking in this standard way was just the norm in my house. Also, my grandparents spoke mostly in this way with slight northern accents coming through sometimes in the way that they said certain words. Now, I don't know all about Paul's background that much, except that we know that his mum's got a northern Irish accent. I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not saying that these features are typical to a northern Irish accent because I don't think a glottal stop is. But what it could mean is that Paul is from a a more diverse background accent-wise, and maybe the culture of his family wasn't RP. It was just, you know, other accents. Not so sure about his dad, what his dad's accent is, really. But, um... So... Paul, yes, I guess his accent stems from those things I just said, but also the time he spent in Kent, in the south... Uh, east, south, based south, south of England, just below London... He's spent time there growing up and the accent's very similar to London, really, and a glottal stop is very common in that entire region. I don't think Paul is from a hugely different social class to me, but if I had to call it, I'd say that I'm more on the side of upper middle class than Paul is. I don't know. Maybe maybe Paul is middle middle class and I'm upper middle class, or maybe Paul's middle 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 class and I'm 
upper middle middle class i don't know it's not really that important it's more that i just want you to be able to pick up on these little signifiers of people's backgrounds like english people do when they hear each other speak i'm not inviting you to judge people i'm just saying i'm just inviting you to be aware of certain social clues that you might not otherwise notice i don't want to get bogged down in class here that's another story for another time let's get back to talking about different types of english that you might hear and their differences so we talked about me and paul or paul and me isn't the more polite way of putting it how about the way that people on the bbc news speak and the way that people speak in the street we've talked about this one before we know that there are stylistic differences as i've said many times before the people on the news don't speak like normal people they they don't construct sentences normally you know standing you know standing outside the bank for hours many of these uh, customers many of these customers have been standing outside the bank for hours waiting in vain for um, news of uh, french government bailouts that are yet to have been announced you know we don't actually construct normal uh, sentences like that so that's one of the things but also the the bbc news is spoken mainly in standard rp you know it's not like boris johnson this morning announced that he would be bringing in stringent new cove anti-covid measures rather than like you know in a but all right boris johnson this morning announced that uh he'd be introducing uh various new strict and very stringent uh, anti-covid measures over the next few weeks you know that you don't find generally the news being read out in um in regional accents you might if you hear it on bbc radio 5 which is mainly a sports channel where they talk about sport and for some reason in the world of sport regional accents are normal but on the normal bbc news it's it's received pronunciation have you ever come to the uk after studying english in your home country for many years and then got into a taxi and found that you had no idea what the taxi driver was saying uh, well it's probably just because his pronunciation didn't follow the usual standard conventions okay it just probably wasn't something you were used to hearing if you've been studying from the course books or other materials so what are some of those differences between my accent and uh, so many regional accents in the UK? Now I'm going to read from what I'm going to call email of the year. Every now and then I get an email which asks me lots of questions and also answers them at the same time, which is great. It's great because actually I just end up going, yep, 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 exactly, right, good. Here's an email which I received flipping ages ago. It was five years ago, in fact. So maybe I should call this the email of the decade instead of email of the email of the year. Um, five years ago, I've only managed to get round to it now. But anyway, here we go. So this is an email from Koji Watanabe. And the email goes like this. Koji, well, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Koji is Japanese. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Maybe, I suppose you could be of Japanese origin you know, growing up in another country. Maybe you're uh, one of those Brazilian Japanese people. I don't know. Anyway, Koji wrote this. Hi, Luke. My name is Koji. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you, Koji. First of all, congratulations on your marriage. I hope your honeymoon will be stunning and that you love it. Thanks very much. You can see this was five years ago. Yes. Yes, that's right. The honeymoon was fantastic. We took a road trip around California. It was amazing. And listeners, if you'd like to hear about it, if you are one of those Lepsters who likes to know about what I do in my life, then you could listen to those episodes. One in which I described my marriage and another one where I described 
the honeymoon and all the things we did. Check out the episode archive for that. Uh, I think the, the marriage one's called the wedding episode. So Koji continues, if I can introduce myself, I was born and raised in Japan. Okay, there you go. And moved to Sydney two and a half years ago. However, I've been using various visual study materials, TV shows from the UK, and my English is British rather than Australian. Excellent work, Koji. Well done. Against all odds. <laughs> living and working. I don't know. Living and studying in Australia, you managed to get an English accent or British accent. Well done, sir. Koji continue. Koji gets extra points now in the next paragraph. He says, I started playing cricket and I'm deeply saddened by the defeat by England in the recent Ashes series. So bonus points for playing cricket, bonus points for mentioning the fact that England beat Australia in the uh, Ashes. Um, Koji says, in one episode, you said you and your father loved the game, so I would love to hear you talking about it for the whole show. Well, Koji, lucky you, I did do that um with my dad and just search the episode archive for the word cricket and you'll find it dad and me trying to explain the rules of cricket so bar 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 let's move on koji says i listened to your episodes about the cockney accent northern irish accent british accents and dialects and they covered some of my questions that i would like to ask you today koji then writes um what i guess i should describe as a wonderfully indirect Japanese request <laughs> which I appreciate as an English person because we do the same thing and he's he's really worded this very well so extra points again to Koji here so he wrote this I apologize in advance for asking you questions in the first communication only if you think it's something you might want to bring up in one of your podcast episodes please read it through otherwise you can just disregard this email well um uh, it only if you think it is something you might want to bring up in one of your podcast episodes, please read it. Otherwise, just disregard the email. Well, I haven't disregarded it even after five years. So my questions are about accents and dialects, writes Koji Watanabe. What follows is a pretty detailed... These are my words. Totally my words. These. Uh, what follows listeners, is a pretty detailed description of different pronunciation features in British English. We know! TH sounds, T sounds, glottal stops, H sounds, and more, with a few questions thrown in. So, listeners, what I've done is taken Koji's notes and worked on them. I've finessed them. I've added details, thoughts, ideas, and so on, while also keeping Koji's original text. Let's go through that now, then, okay? But before we go into this, I just want to make a point about accents and identity. And it's necessary to say this because as um, uh, my, as as your self-appointed teacher of English here, um, I have I feel I have a duty of care to tell you certain things. Um, you know, it's my job, isn't it? So, question for you. What kind of accent do you want? Now, when we're talking about accent, we do need to bear two things in mind, as David Crystal said on my podcast once. One of those things is intelligibility. Can people understand you? Basically, are you clear when you speak? The other thing is identity. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you want people... Uh, what do you want people to think of you? Who are you talking to? Okay, 
So regarding the colloquial English that we're looking at now, we're going to look at now, I think it's absolutely vital to know about these different varieties and, and how they affect pronunciation. But should you be speaking like this too? As I said, it's totally up to you. I have said that before, I'm sure. I personally think that being intelligible is the most important thing. You might also want to sound like a local, I suppose. In that case, go for it. But in the words of David Crystal, keep it natural. Uh, don't force an accent too much. I reckon you should just focus on being clear. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So the word knowledge, K-N-O-L-E-D-G-E, -E -E, is the spelling right? I hope so. Knowledge, obviously there's a correct and an incorrect way to say that word. Knowledge is incorrect. Okay, that's, that's wrong. Also, knowledge would be wrong as well, stressing the wrong syllable. Okay, knowledge or knowledge or knowledge, any of those things would be wrong and as a result unclear. You know, no one's going to know if you say knowledge, like what? Obviously. But then when it comes to the word knowledge, there are various ways that you can say it with different accents. So, for example, there's, you know, uh, the American accent, like knowledge, and British English accent, knowledge. Okay, that's one example. Another one might be something like um, citizenship, which you could say citizenship or citizenship. But if you say uh, citizenship or citizenship, then there's a good chance that people won't understand what you're saying. Okay, because that's not clear. So accent and pronunciation aren't exactly the same thing. So I think you should focus on being intelligible. Get the word stress right. Make sure you're not pronouncing any any silent letters and things like that. And the accent stuff is more a question of identity, which is something that you should probably try to keep natural, like be yourself. Okay, there's also the rather sensitive subject of accentism or snobbishness in accents and how people's opinions of you are affected by the way that you speak. And the fact is, a colloquial accent or regional accent, even though this is a sensitive thing to say, an accent like that can cause people to subconsciously judge you in certain ways. For example, if you say citizenship or if you say citizenship, people might see you as being less educated or sophisticated if you drop all your T's, pronounce TH sounds in certain ways, don't pronounce H sounds, and so on. Now, I'm not saying that colloquial English, can I have a bottle of water, please? Or can I, which is the colloquial version, and can I have a bottle of water, please? I'm not saying that colloquial English will make you stupid. That's obviously false. But colloquial English does carry with it certain associations such as a working-class background. Now, what am I saying? Basically, you're more likely to find colloquial English like this from a guy working on a building site than from a qualified lawyer working in a top London law firm. So which one are you? Now, if you're working on the building site with the other lads, then I expect the colloquial English would seem more appropriate. If you're doing an internship in the law firm, the standard RP would probably be more appropriate. But please don't assume that I mean that colloquial English sounds stupid or is only used by uneducated people. That's obviously not true. I know loads of educated and extremely intelligent people who speak with various varying degrees of, you know, region, regional uh, inflections in their accents. I'm just saying, beware of the baggage that comes with this kind of accent. For example, my dad, so if you met my dad, 
right? Or someone like my dad. So my dad just doesn't like glottal stops, just doesn't like them. So if I say to him, dad, can you pass the butter? Which I wouldn't say to him, but if I did, I'm going to change that. Right? If I say to him, if I said to him, can you pass the butter? Then he'd probably correct me and he'd say, it, you know, he'd tell me it makes you look bad is probably what he would say. Now, certain linguists might find that to be snobbishness, but the fact is it's a common attitude. So, should you speak like this with all the features that I'm going to be presenting to you in this episode? Well, it's completely up to you. The main thing is you need to understand the varieties of English. So, this episode is as much about understanding natural English when you hear it as it is about actually learning to speak like this. In my honest opinion, I reckon you should probably aim to produce standard English. Try to be clear and use pronunciation that most people understand and let your own identity give some colour to the language as you doubtless will be imprinting your English with influence from your first language anyway. In all honesty, it's, it's very hard for an adult learning a second language to lose all trace of their accent. There's almost always traces of your accent in your English. That's not so bad. Your English is just one of the many varieties out there. We don't all speak the same. And that's the cool thing about English. It's quite adaptable. If you're using it, communicating effectively with it, and yet you sound different to everyone else, then welcome to the club. Because English is like a village. All these different accents, but we all make it work together. So as someone from Bristol has their own version of English, then why not someone from Barcelona? But my main advice is understand all this stuff, absorb it all, notice it when people speak, but just try to be clear when you speak. Try to focus on being understood in your communication rather than trying to sound like a certain type of person. Clearly communicate your own ideas and just be yourself and the accent will take care of itself. I know that some people aren't convinced and most of you are thinking, but I want a British accent like yours, Luke. Well, in that case, you can train, you can practice and you can work on it, and it is possible. Or some of you out there thinking, I want to speak like, you know, I want to speak like Jason Statham, or something, in which case, well, go ahead. It's it's completely up to you, isn't it, really? I think you should be yourself, but anyway. Um, so, what's the first thing we're going to look at? The first feature is uh, what is called TH fronting. And this means that TH sounds, that's like TH or TH, uh, become either F or V. That means they're produced at the front of the mouth using the lips and the teeth. So, th, uh, th, th, th. yeah, that's it. So, whereas I would say 33, someone who does TH fronting might say 33 or even 33 if there's a, if there's a glottal stop in there. Th, th. So, I use the tongue against my top teeth, 33, but someone doing TH fronting would say 33 with an F sound, okay? And mother and father, so both of them have a th sound in them, which is a voiced TH sound, mother and father, become mother and father, okay? So 33 and mother and father. So this is particularly common in the south of England, although apparently TH fronting has started to spread to areas in the north too, okay? So 33 rather than 33, and mother and father rather than mother and father. We'll be looking at lots of examples. So let's just be clear about this. The first one is the unvoiced TH sound, which is th, okay? 
So those who speak with TH fronting use F like F instead if TH is pr- pronounced as TH, for example. So I'm going to say these in with F, the F sound instead. Uh, heath, bath, both, think, lethargic, catheter, and Thursday. Instead of heath, bath, both, think, lethargic, catheter, and Thursday. Heath, bath, both, think, lethargic, catheter, Thursday. Okay, now here's an example of this. We're going to play a little sample of Danny Dyer, who is um, a famous actor in the UK. He's featured in episodes of this podcast before. And he's an actor on the TV soap opera EastEnders. EastEnders, which is full of cockneys who go around speaking like this, don't they? Oi, what you saying about my father? Although they wouldn't say father. They'd be like, what are you saying about my dad, my old man? So this is Danny Dyer. And this is a clip from him of him on a show called Who Do You Think You Are? Or maybe Who Do You Think You Are in this case? Who Do You Think You Are is basically all about uh, celebrities who learn about their ancestors. They find out, they go to experts who reveal the history of their family and they learn about their family background. Now, Danny Dyer is like proper working class, yeah? He's a proper working class bloke. I don't know if he's in real life, but certainly his persona is that he's a proper down-to-earth working-class geezer, yeah, from somewhere in London. Mm, we're going to just play the clip, and I'm, I want you to look out for the when he says, I was bowled over when I found out I was related to royalty on Who Do You Think You Are? He says, I was bowled over when I found out I was related to royalty on Who Do You Think You Are? Think. Also, there's a few glottal stops, which we'll come to again in a bit. Edward the Third, the third uh, king called Edward. So, in fact, Danny, amazingly, it really is an amazing episode of the show. It turns out that Danny Dyer is directly um, related to, directly descended from Edward the Third, uh, a king of England in the 14th century, I think. Amazing. And it was his great, 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 like 22 times great grandfather. So listen to how he says, who do you think you are? Edward III and my great grandfather. Okay, here we go. By the way, we see Danny uh, driving past Buckingham Palace in a taxi. These are all shots of Buckingham Palace and the Mall. Danny's in the back of the cab, talking to the camera. Oh, well, here we go, look. Oh, yeah, it's old Buckingham Palace there, look. I mean, what happened? Why ain't I plotted up there? Tongue in a princess. Hey? Basically, what happened? Why ain't I, um, why aren't I in Buckingham Palace? Tonguing a princess. Lovely. Meaning uh, kissing a princess. I imagine he's talking about kissing with tongues. Possibly something else. But no, I ended up on a set of swings in Cannon Town. I ended up on a set of swings in Cannon Town. I ended up on a set of swings. I ended up on a set of swings. Swings are things that children sit on. They swing forwards and backwards. I ended up on a set of swings in Cannon Town. Tan. Town. Okay. This is the bit where he starts, he he looks at the um, family tree. Hey, but no, I ended up on a set of swings in Cannon Town. I was bowled over when I found out I was related to royalty on Who Do You Think You Are? 
can't be. And I will remind people every opportunity that this man here, King Edward III, is my 22 times great-grandfather, direct descendant, right down to little old me. Okay, I'll link the video on the page for the episode. Otherwise, just search for Who Do You Think You Are, Danny Dyer. So did you hear that? He said, I was bowled over when I found out I was related to royalty on Who Do You Think You Are, right? And the other one was Edward III and also my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather. Okay, right, so there you go. And Koji asks, and does this apply to names as well? And my answer is yes, of course. So words like Thor, Beth, Theodore, Thurgate, and Matthew would be Thor, Beth, Theodore, Thurgate, and Matthew. Okay? All right, Thor. I saw the new Thor film. Which one? Thor, was it? Which, oh, you saw the new Thor film. Thor film. Was it Thor 1 or Thor 2? Maybe Thor 3? No, it was, it was Thor 4. <laughs> you didn't see the film you saw a number oh god i thought I, oh i knew i'd done something wrong i didn't go to the cinema i went to i don't know where's the place you find numbers i went to uh number place didn't i where'd you find loads of numbers oh i got it wrong I didn't go to the cinema i went to a number shop instead um okay anyway so thor for beth beth theodore theodore matthew yeah matthew so that's the unvoiced th sound then the voiced th sound which sounds like this which sounds a bit like your mobile phone vibrating on a table doesn't it is that is that a th sound or is that my mobile phone i don't know so if th is pronounced as as the sound becomes which is a sound again basically your lip doing the job that your tongue does should do the sound becomes only when th is used in the middle or at the end of the word and so basically that means don't do it at the start of the word um i think yeah so examples are leather like a leather, I've got a leather jacket, would be pronounced leather. Mother, as we said before, is mother. And writhe, writhe, by the way, what's the, what does the word writhe mean? Well, if you get a snake and you, hmm, this is a bad example because we have animal lovers listening to this podcast. If a really cruel person took a snake and shot it with a gun, what would the snake do? It would writhe around, wouldn't it? Writhing around. That's the word writhe. Uh, but yes, I'd say writhe, W-R-I-T-H-E, but it would be pronounced writhe. I, I shot the snake and he was just writhing around on the ground. Writhing, not writhing. Mm. And then uh, Koji said he thinks that uh, these ones don't have uh, a the sound. So that's the word th- that. So it wouldn't be that. Those, which wouldn't be those, and them, which wouldn't be them. And I would agree with that that we tend not to put that sound at the beginning of the word occasionally you hear th at the start of the word becoming f or v like that these those but it's pretty rare in fact i think it's probably just 
a speech impediment, a slight speech impediment that some people have rather than an accent. So these ones over here, you know, if some some people have this sort of thing on their on their voices, don't they? If these ones over here are for me, those ones over there are for you. You know, they might just have a bit of a speech impediment. Anyway, it's interesting though, isn't it, that native speakers also seem to struggle with TH sounds because learners often find this really, really hard. Yes, Luke, that is interesting, isn't it? Thank you for saying that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's TH fronting. Let's move on to the next one, which is T glottalization or the glottal stop. Okay. The glottal stop, which I mentioned before with Paul Taylor and citizenship and stuff like that. So a glottal stop in English is a replacement for a T sound in the middle or at the end of the word. It's most typically associated with a Cockney accent from London. So another one that's quite typical of Cockney. But I think it's quite common in other places too. So let's hear an example of a glottal stop or three. This is an interview with Adele. You know Adele, the singer. It's not an interview with a computer. Adele. Uh, I just murdered, the, killed off the other Luke. This is the new Luke. Okay. So anyway, this is an interview with Adele. Uh, great. Someone's banging. Can you hear the banging? No, we can't hear the banging, Luke. Just carry on. Okay. So this is an interview with Adele. And well, I just want you to just try to notice any glottal stops in this interview. Okay, here we go. So here Adele is being interviewed on um, a Swedish TV show. Skavlan. Um, the guy is uh, Swedish, the presenter, but he speaks English. Because, uh, you know, the Swedes, they just have English on TV. This is like, oh, we're going to have a, an English guest on. We'll just, they can just speak English because everyone understands the brilliance of the Swedish, the way that they, they, they're so good with English. And people often say it's because they show stuff on TV with no subtitles and no dubbing. It's just, here's some English TV in English. Anyway, so uh, Adele is talking about the first time she saw uh, one of her videos on TV. She was watching The X Factor and there was a little commercial and they showed a clip from one of her videos and she was really surprised. She couldn't believe it. Anyway, look out for the glottal stops. Glottal stops. Like, absolutely <laughs> came on and I got really excited as if it wasn't me as well and then afterwards I'm, I'm, I'm very new to like being on social media and afterwards I was like tried to check Twitter but I didn't have a Twitter account so I just saw what was on there if you're not on there you have a, tw- a Twitter account right well I do have one but I'm, I don't do I don't I don't have access to it okay right so what we got there is she said I got really excited right you did you hear that and I really got excited as if it wasn't me and afterwards I had to I tried to check Twitter but I didn't have a Twitter account. So I just saw what was on there. If you're not on there, not on there. So uh, excited Twitter, a Twitter account, if you're not on there. Okay. So basically, instead of making the T sound with your mouth, which is your tongue going, the glottal stop comes from closing uh, and then opening the glottis, which is an opening between the vocal cords. Basically, it's in your throat. Uh, 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 not. War, uh, right? Excited. You can hear it down there. Uh, 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 that. Can you do that? Uh, 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 uh. Now, if you go, uh, you know, excited, and now go excited, id, id, excited. 
there's your glottal stop. So when we make a T sound, usually the tip of the tongue presses against your gum just behind your teeth. And when the tongue is released, the air and sound that comes out of it is a T sound. With a glottal stop, we make that sound from the vocal cords uh, rather than the tongue and the gums. When we open the glottis, air is released in a similar way to when we use our tongue on our gums. So later and later. Started and started. Water and water. Bottle and bottle. And um, computer and computer. Now, we don't do this for every single T sound. It depends on certain things. Um, okay, so uh, on the subject of the glottal stop, again, I would say that it's interesting to know this, but I would advise against doing it too much in your speech. It's okay a bit, but don't do it too much. I've heard learners of English who try to use glottal stops on purpose, perhaps because they've discovered that it makes you sound authentically English. But used too much and in a slightly wrong way, it can have a weird effect. So know about the glottal stop, know how to use it, but use it all the time at your own risk, I would say. Here's a quick test for you. So imagine you're a native English speaker who uses glottal stops. You could be Paul Taylor or you could be uh, Adele, for example. Can you say these words with a glottal stop or a glottal stop? Where does the glottal stop go and which words have no glottal stop? Okay, so I just want you, I'm going to say the word and I want you to then repeat it with a glottal stop. Okay, so the first one is better, better. And you say better, better. Okay, next one is British, British. And you say British. Next one is antique, antique. And you say, oh, can you say, an try it, antique, go on, an eek, an eek, an eek, no, no, there's no glottal stop in that one. But why? I'll tell you in a minute. Next one is letter, letter. Mm -hmm. And you say, letter, okay, I wrote a letter in British English, letter. Next one is the word entitled. Entitled. E-N-T-I-T-L-E-D. Entitled. Mm -hmm. So you'd say entitled. So the first T is pronounced, but the second T isn't. Entitled. So it's not entitled. It's entitled. But why? I'll tell you in a second. Hold on. Next one. Security. Security. Can you say it? Security. Security. Yes. Okay, good. Next one is hotel. Hotel. Try it. And you're going, hotel, hotel. No, no, it doesn't work. Um, we pronounce the T. You can't do a glottal stop with that word. No one's saying hotel, hotel. No, hotel. Even like, even the most brass knuckles cockney is going to say hotel but they wouldn't go hotel. No, hotel. Next one is the word restaurant. 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 Okay, try it. It sounds like this. Restaurant. Restaurant. So the the I mean, the last T is just elided, really. It's not restaurant. Oh, it's just restaurant. As if there's no T. Restaurant. Restaurant. 
Mm. It's, it's kind of little glottal rest, restaurant, uh, but the the first T is pronounced restaurant. You can't say rest restaurant rest overant. It doesn't work. Next one, the word lost. Lost. Can you can you repeat it with a glottal stop? Lost. Lost. Uh. No, you can't do it. Doesn't work. Why? I'll tell you in a second. Next one is the word sit. Try it. Sit. Sit. There you go. Sit. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Next one. Return. 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 Can you say? Wait a minute. Return. No, it doesn't work. Return. Return. No. Sorry. Oi. Uh, can you come back and return? Re- re- what? Return. No. It doesn't work either. A bit like the way that hotel doesn't work and antique, it doesn't work either. So it's you will always pronounce the T, return. Next one is that, that. And that sounds like this, that. Uh, and after that, 30, the number 30, uh, which sounds like this, 30, 30. Or 30 with the F in there as well, 30. Uh, Twitter, we know it's possible. It says uh, Twitter, once, once. Can you do that? No, you can't. You can't uh, replace the T in once with a glottal stop. It doesn't work. You can't go want, uh, once. Doesn't work. And how about this one? Potato. Potato. Two Ts. One has a glottal stop. The other one doesn't. Potato. It would be this. Potato. So the second T is replaced with a glottal stop. Right, so when do we add a glottal stop and when not? So, yes, we add one at the end of words, like not, hot, got, lot, and start. Sound like not, hot, got, lot, and start. Okay? You can imagine, like, saying these words, it feels like you hold your mouth open at the end, which gives you a sense of the attitude or vibe of the person saying not, I haven't got a lot to start with. I don't know. And then the next one, um, after a vowel sound, we do uh, do it after a vowel sound, like previous examples, better, better, uh, British. In each case, they they follow a vowel sound. And yes, we pronounce them in the weak or unstressed syllable. So in the case of potato, in the case of entitled... Tight is the stressed syllable, and the t, it tight, the second t is not stressed, so entitled. So um, we do the glottal stop in the weak or unstressed syllable. And in terms of when we don't do it, well, you know, sort of the opposite of those other things. We don't do it at the start of words. It's very difficult. We don't do it after a consonant sound. And we don't do it in the stressed syllable, as I'm going to show you. Okay, like, you know, potato, it's got two T's in it. One is replaced with a glottal stop and the other one isn't. Which T is glottalized? Potato It's the T in the unstressed syllable. Okay. In the case of letter and better, uh, we, it, we pronounce it. It's after a vowel. Uh, it's not in the stressed syllable, letter, better. Uh, but not we don't pronounce it in hotel, antique, and return because the T appears in the stressed syllable. Hotel, antique, return. Okay? Uh, in the case of entitled 
or entitled, we pronounce the first T because it's in the stressed syllable. The second T becomes a glottal stop because it's in the unstressed syllable and follows a vowel sound. (laughs) Is this fun, listeners? Next, we've got words like lost once. So you can't put a glottal stop in there because you can't put a glottal stop after a consonant sound. It's, I think it's impossible anyway. Loss. Uh, one. Uh, doesn't work. It's impossible. Koji says also, I'm sure there are some words in which T's should not be dropped if I'm mistaken. And I have, and he says, for example, we can say water or water or pathetic, but we can't use a glottal stop for words such as fountain, maintain, hotel and hostel. Fountain. No, it's after an N. Fountain. Fountain. Look at that fucking fountain over there. Look at that fountain. Mm, maybe. Uh, but certainly maintain, not main ain. No. Maintain. Uh, and hotel and hostel. As I've said, because of the reasons given above is what I've written here. Water and pathetic. The, the T's in those words follow vowel sounds and are, and are not in the stressed syllable. Water. Pathetic. Uh, fountain, maintain, and hostel follow a consonant sound, and main, in maintain and hotel, the T is in the stressed syllable. Okay, if a word has two elements to it, says Koji, then we don't drop the T. For example, retrieve a pretext. So when we when we are using uh, uh, prefixes, um, then these prefixes could be considered as a separate word which is why we don't uh, glottalize the T in text, pre-text. Mm. And Koji says, are there any patterns or rules about which, uh, in which T's can be omitted? And I've just said we've been through them, but let's recap. So yes, at the end of words, yes, after vowel sounds, yes, in the weak syllable, but no at the start of words, no after a consonant sound, and no in the stress syllable. Uh, and Koji says... Or do I just need to get the feel of it and remember which one can and which one cannot be be glottalized? And my advice is get a feel for it, Koji. And to everyone, like Koji mentioned before, the best way is not to do it too strongly. I think he mentioned that. Maybe I'll remove that part. Don't push it too much and try to use it. Don't try to use it everywhere. But try it out or try it out. Try it out. Test yourself. Repeat after me. There will be a premium pronunciation episode for this with drills and all the stuff in the episode. Both the colloquial version with things like glottal stops and also the standard version, how I would normally say it. So you'll get those chances to practice with me in the premium episode that's coming. So back to my advice for Koji. Yes, on one hand, practice things like glottal stops for fun mainly, but also to learn about how these sounds are made and how they feel, which will definitely help your listening, which in turn helps everything else. Helping your pronunciation can help your vocab because it allows you to suddenly understand other people more, which then helps you identify what people are saying, allowing you to add those words and expressions to your active vocab. So in a weird way, improving your pronunciation helps improve your vocabulary and your grammar. So on the one hand, play with glottal stops and other things, but also consider to what extent you want to introduce these things into your normal speech. And in fact, as I said earlier, 
my advice would be to pronounce the T's in your words when you're talking normally in your life. Pronouncing the T's, especially at the ends of words, does tend to make you sound really clear and nice. It's also probably a bit easier for you to do. As an example, I'm reminded of my friend Emina, who was on the podcast a while ago, who has a great accent, and I noticed that she often makes a point of pronouncing the T sounds at the end and in the middle of words. Okay, so my advice is practice saying the T sounds. Don't drop them all because they do sound quite clear and crisp. But that's just what I think. It's up to you, really. You can choose what you want to sound like and who you want to sound like. I just also want you to know what all the accents mean in the UK. Glottal stops are very natural, but you should know that some people don't like them and find them to be a sign of a lack of education. Like my dad, you know, I mean, it's not that a complete snob or anything, but, you know, he doesn't like it. So, of course, it's not really true that glottal stops are a sign of a low education. You can be extremely well-educated and still pronounce the words with glottal stops, but there are plenty of people who just don't like glottal stops that much. Maybe they're all wrong, but the fact remains those people exist. The attitude is there. So, you know, regardless of all the arguments about the equality of accents, which I believe in, I think there is nothing wrong with pronouncing your T's. And, you know, listen to me pronounce all the words in the list again, but with the T sounds pronounced quite clearly. What list? This one. Better, British, antique, letter, entitled, security, hotel, restaurant, lost, sit, return, that, 30, Twitter, once, potato. And then we've got the other ones like entitled um, and pathetic, uh, fountain, maintain, hotel, hostel, and so on. Okay. So this is especially true at the end of words where a nice crisp T sound can sound very clear and nice. For example, I think we should start. What time would you like to eat? He's intent on completing this project on budget. Okay, you hear that? I think we should start rather than I think we should start. Although, you know, I often say I think we should start. Um, What time would you like to eat? And what time would you like to eat? And he's intent on completing this project on budget rather than... He's intent on completing this project on budget. Just two ways of doing it. But the, the one with the T's does sound quite clear, don't you think? Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is H dropping, as Koji has... Uh, described it h dropping and so this is pretty simple this is just when h sounds are not pronounced it's quite common in a cockney accent but also plenty of others for example in manchester in fact in order to notice it here is a clip of carl pilkington who comes from manchester talking about getting his fridge fixed obviously your fridge is the thing you have in your kitchen and it keeps your beer cool that's the job of a fridge right it's just to keep your beer cool. Okay, so listen out for Carl, Pilking talk, Carl Pilkington talking about his fridge. He's talking about how a, he called a guy to come to fix his fridge. Let's notice the way he pronounces words with an H in them. So the lines I'm looking for are this. He says, let's have a look then. He opens it. He sticks his hand in. So he says, let's have a look then. He opens it, sticks his hand in. 
Look out for those things. Here we go. So the fella turned up, right? And he said, right, what's the problem? I said, well, I told the people on the phone that the fridge isn't working, right? So he says, oh, let's have a look then, right? He opens it, he sticks his hand in. He said, uh, he says, yeah, it's, it's broke. So I said, yeah, I know. That's, that's why I called you out. The fella comes round to fix the machine. He says, let's have a look then. He opens it, sticks his hand in. So if you noticed, he says, he says, let's have a look then. He opens it, sticks his hand in. Sticks his hand in. Let's see if we can get that, that bit again. So it sticks his hand in. Sticks his hand in, right? You see that the H, not hand, but and. Okay, so there you go. That's H dropping. But when does it happen? Now, I thought I would just add this paragraph, the next paragraph, from Wikipedia, largely because of the last line of the paragraph as a way of saying, yeah, yeah, what they said. So this paragraph is taken directly from Wikipedia. So H-dropping is the deletion of the voiceless glottal fricative, or H sound. (sighs) The phenomenon is common in many dialects of English and is also found in certain other languages, either as a purely historical development or as a contemporary difference between dialects. Although common in most regions of England and in some other English-speaking countries, H-dropping is often stigmatised and perceived as a sign of careless or uneducated speech. Stigmatised. A social stigma is basically um, a feeling of disapproval, discrimination against something. It's basically when people in general socially don't like something. So H-dropping is often criticised as a sign of carelessness or even uneducated speech. Now, it's worth noting that social stigma uh, related to this kind of speech I think that you need to know that some people look down on those people who speak English like this. For some reason, this kind of speech is a sign of a lack of education or class. There it is. Of course, plenty of well-known people, successful people, well-educated people speak like this. But there is a bit of a stigma attached to all these pronunciation features anyway. And that is probably related to a certain kind of class-based snobbishness. But H-dropping is found in dialects all over England and Wales. It's more frequently found in working class accents in England, which are pretty much the same thing as regional accents anyway. Here are some examples. We've got the word harm, heat, and behind. It would be arm, eat, and behind. He, him, her, his, had, and have. E, him, er, is, ad, and av. Should, should have, would have, and could have. So it becomes should have, would have, and could have. Yeah, is that, that's not really H dropping. That's, to be honest, in the, in the examples of should have, would have, could have, I think I come back to those somewhere. Uh, it's more that it is a weak form of have rather than a full-on H drop. And the dropping of H in weak forms, like should have, would have, could have, is normal in all accents, including received pronunciation. So maybe that they don't really count then, I suppose. But anyway, you do often hear should have, would have, could have, don't you? Yes. We do pronounce H after saying a. Uh, so a hundred, a house, a hotel... But you might just turn it into an and then drop the H. An hundred, an o- an house, an hotel, you see. And um, Koji asked me, are H-dropping accents applied to pronouns and names as well? For example, Heidi, Idi, Hugo, Ugo, Henry, Henry. And uh, yes, they are, Koji. For example, this little dialogue. Um, Hello, Harry. 
How's it going, Harry? Here, have you been having a sneaky look at my ass? Sorry, what? I said, have you been sneaking around my ass? Your, sorry, your what? My ass. Oh, oh, your house. Yeah, my ass. For example. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is not really an, it's not really accent, maybe, dialect, maybe, but anyway, I've included it because it was in Koji's email. So this one is saying me as a way to say my and us to say me. All right. For example, hey, give us the remote control. Give us, give us it. Give us that. Give us the remote control, would you? Give me the remote control. And another one would be like, oh, no, I've, I've lost all my fags. Meaning I've lost all my cigarettes. Oh, no, I've lost all my fags. Me, meaning my. Okay, here's an example from an episode of uh, I'm Alan Partridge. This is where Alan is talking to Michael the Geordie. And the character, Michael the Geordie, comes from Newcastle. Okay, and Michael the Geordie is talking about, again, those of you who love animals, and I love animals too, believe me. Michael is telling Alan a shocking story about how once he discovered that a monkey had eaten all of his cigarettes and he and and what he did as a result because uh he, he realized that the monkey he said he'd, he'd eaten all me fags he'd eaten all me fags me fags meaning all my cigarettes you must have got up to a few pranks in your time why well, yeah, hey i mind this one time right i was stationed out in belize right and I had this little macaque monkey as a pet, right? And one day, I came back to my tent, right? And it had eaten all me fags. So I picked it up and I threw it in the sea. Alan looks disgusted. Threw a monkey in the sea? Well, he'd eaten all me fags, man, you know. It was a big packet of 200 duty freeze, like. He threw a monkey in the sea? That's awful. I mean, I was, I was fishing for some sort of funny story. That's just upsetting. Well, you know, I wasn't thinking straight, right? You know, I, I just kind of got the red mist in front of my eyes. I just grabbed the monkey and hoid it in the sea. Stop, stop saying you threw your monkey in the sea. All I can see is a monkey spinning towards the water. Well, it didn't go straight in the water. It bounced off a rock. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. Um, no monkeys were harmed in the making of uh, this episode. So, anyway, um, I picked him up, but he'd eaten all me fags. Okay. Now, Koji says, where can this mainly be observed? Did this, is this very common among northerners? I think I heard this in London before, but I'm not 100% sure. And so my response is, yes, it's definitely common in the north, as we heard there from Michael the Geordie from Newcastle. Uh, also, you hear it in pirate, you know, the way that pirates speak. Ah, me hearties. You know, shiver me timbers which are sorts of things that pirates say. Me hearties means my friends, my trusted friends. Shiver me timbers is like what a pirate says when they're shocked or surprised by something. And Koji say, and, and I say then, I'm not sure about London. Do they say it in London? Me. I, I think it's common to reduce my to a weak form. For example, I, I, you know, I called my girlfriend muh my girlfriend and that's not me girlfriend you know so it's not a full-on me i don't think so so i think common along around in the north especially yes and koji says again is this not applied to the beginning of a sentence for example wait until i pop my shoes on wait until i put my shoes on pop to pop your shoes on wait until i pop my shoes on 
So yes, definitely. And um, I think this is Koji who wrote this example. He thinks this is an example of when you wouldn't say it. So uh, my date was cancelled at the start of a sentence there. So um, my date was cancelled. I, I think that actually you can use me at the start of a sentence. For example, this in a sort of a northern accent. What's the matter with you? Why, why have you got the ump? You mean meaning why are you in a bad mood? What, what's the matter with you? Why have you got the ump? Oh, me bloody debt cancelled on me, didn't she? Me bloody debt cancelled. All right. So I think this is largely found in the northern part of the UK. And I, and I found it very interesting, says Koji. And he continues, I wonder if hearing the Tohoku accent is nearly the same experience for you hearing people from the north speak. What's your impression about the accent? Well, I, guess, I should say those accents, really because uh, there are many, those accents. What, basically, what do I think when I hear a northern accent? Um, I'm not sure, really. I mean, basically, I don't think that much. I just think, ah, oh, this person is from the north. I don't really think that many things. But the northern a northern accent does kind of conjure up certain feelings. I mean, it just makes you think of the north and, and all the things that that involves. So north, old, you know, in many cases, former industrial cities. Um, it's a bit colder up there. Um, um, there there's, there's a suggestion that northern people are a bit more friendly. Um, I like northern accents. I don't think there's anything particularly different about a person with a northern accent. Although people in the north, as I've said, are often said to be more friendly, more open to visitors, more down to earth and proud of where they come from and stuff like that. But I don't know, really. It's very hard to say. What do I think when I hear someone with a northern accent? I don't know, really. But I like it. That's for sure. I'm just going to play you a sample of Peter K first of all, and then a sample, uh, and then a more, let's say, normal, reasonable uh, uh, sample. So this is the sample of Peter K. This is from a TV show called That Peter K Thing. Peter K is a an English stand-up comedian from, I think, Bolton. I think he's from Bolton, which is in sort of the greater Manchester area, Lancashire. Um, and uh, in episodes of um, that Peter Kay thing, uh, Peter plays the parts of different characters. And in this one, he's an ice cream man, a man who who sells ice creams. And in this clip, he's talking about how his father was an ice cream man. So he's, you know, it's like it runs in the family. He said his father was an ice cream man and his father... The problem was that his father was too soft and that um, everyone used to take advantage of him because he was too soft. For example, the children would be uh, pretending to, to, to have accidents and as a result, he would be giving them out free ice creams, free mini milks. So anyway, it's just him angrily talking about how he doesn't like being a, um, a milkman, no, uh, an ice cream man because he doesn't like the kids. But his father was a great ice cream man because he actually cared. He actually liked kids, but it made him soft. All right. Generally, what I want to do, is I just want to play you a sample of Peter Kay speaking in this kind of fairly strong uh, northern accent, uh, Bolton accent, just to give you a kind of a flavour of what it feels like. But this is quite an extreme one. I'll play you a more reasonable one in a moment. But this is Peter Kay, the ice cream man, talking about being an ice cream man. Here we go. Right, this is going to get difficult. He speeds up as he goes along. I'll explain what, what he's talking about. Okay? Right, here we go. Zip it. My father was a great ice cream man. 
I'm good, but he was great, you know. He knew all about tradition. He'd be out all weathers, rain, hail, snow, blow, it never bothered him. Everybody loved him, really sad when he died. What do you think made him so special? Oh, for the kickoff, he, he actually liked kids. Do you die? No. No. They make this job a misery, kids. Being in my life. You know what they used to do to my dad? You know what they used to do to him? They used to slap the back of his ice cream van, right? And then lay down in the road, right? He'd break thinking he'd hit them. They'd be lying there pretending to be in agony. He'd be handing them free mini milks through the serving hatch. They did that to him for years. And fell for it every time. Harry's, lo- Harry's problem. Lovely man, soft as shite. They won't do that to me, though. I have a bang on the back of the van and I see him lying in the street. I tell you something, they better get the power back in the legs before I reverse it. It'll be bye-bye Sunday football, bastards. <laughs> oh, God. I love that clip. I-, I think it's absolutely hilarious. And I'm playing it, I'm thinking, uh, have I played this on the podcast before? It's possible. After 680-something episodes, you start to lose track. But anyway, let me play that through again just to clear it up for you, okay? Zip it. My okay. father was a great ice cream man. My father... Me, me father, me father. Is that me, me father, or me father? Anyway, me father was a great ice cream, ice cream man. I'm good, but he was great, you know. I'm good, but he was great. He, not he, he was great, you know. He knew all about tradition. He knew all about tradition. So, I mean, a lot of this is just a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of this, a lot of this, a lot of this is just, um, you know, the accent is sort of in the vowel sounds. Great. Not great, but great and, and, and other things like that. Uh, but some of the other things we've been talking about have turned up here, like H dropping and so on. He'd be out all weathers. Rain, hail, snow. He'd be out all weathers. Meaning he'd be out as an ice cream man in any weather. He'd be out all weathers. But he says weathers, not weathers. He'd be out all weathers rain what is it he knew all about tradition he'd be out all weathers rain, hail, snow rain, air, rain, hail, snow rain, hail and snow hail is when ice drops from the sky rain, hail, snow he knew all about tradition he'd be out all weathers rain, hail, snow blow it never bothered him everybody loved him it never bothered him everybody loved him don't know what it is about this sort of northern accent. I don't, I don't know. There's just some. There is a certain kind of f- like flavour or attitude or f- feeling that comes through. I don't know what it is really. Um, certainly, a, a, definitely kind of a working class thing from this. Really sad when he died. Very sad when he died. What do you think made him so special? What made him so special? Oh, for the kickoff, he, he actually liked kids. <laughs> well, for a kickoff. He actually liked kids. I mean, just as a as a start, he actually liked. Notice why I say like, and he says like. He actually liked kids. I think made him so special. Oh, for the kickoff, he, he actually liked kids. Like, not like, but like. It's more of a flat sound. He actually liked kids. Do you don't? No. And you don't? No. Like no, no. Oh, for the kickoff, he, he actually liked kids. Do you die? No. No. They make this job a misery, kids. <laughs> they make this job a misery, kids. And he says, they're, they're, they're the bane of my life. The, if something is the bane of your life, 
It means it's the thing that ruins your life, basically. Being in my life. You know what they used to do to me, Dad? You know what they used to do to me, Dad? Do you know what they used to do to my dad? You know what they used to do to me, Dad? There's me, right? You know what, you know what they used to do to me, Dad? What they used to do to him? They used to slap the back of his ice cream van. They used to slap the back of the ice of his ice cream van. They used to slap the back of his ice cream van. They used to slap the back of his ice cream van. Like, slap on the back of it with a hand. Right. And then lay down in the road. And then lay down in the road. And then lay down, lie down in the road. So they're slapping, the kids are slapping the back of his dad's ice cream van. And they're lying down in the road, pretending that they've been hit. And he's handing out free mini milks from the serving hatch. Um, you know, anyway. Right. He'd break thinking he'd hit them. He'd break thinking he'd hit them. Like, oh God, did I hit someone? They'd be lying there pretending to be an agony. They'd be lying there pretending to be an agony. They would be lying there pretending to be in agony. Agony is like severe pain. He'd be handing them free mini milks through the serving hatch. He'd be handing them free mini milks through the serving hatch. He'd be handing them. So there's that H drop. He'd be handing them free mini milks. These are ice creams through the serving hatch. That's the window in the, in the on the side of the van. He'd be handing them free mini milks through the serving hatch. He'd break thinking he'd hit them. They'd be lying there pretending to be in agony. He'd be handing them free mini milks through the serving hatch. They did that to him for years. The they did that to him for years. Not they, but they did that. They did that to him for years. He fell for it every time. He fell for it every time. And he's looking sort of lost into the distance here. Like, it's a very sad, tragic thing that happened to his father. He's not going to let this happen to him. Um, and then he says... How is his, his problem? Lovely man, soft as shite. That were his problem. Lovely man, soft as shite. Shite. That's a, that's a cracking swear word in English. It's not shit. It's shite. Lovely man, soft as shite. They won't do that to me, though. They won't do that to me, though. They won't do that to me, though. That's his problem. Lovely man, soft as shite. They won't do that to me, though. I have a bang on the back of the van, and I see him lying in the street. I tell you something, they better get the power back in the legs before I reverse it. It'll be bye-bye Sunday football, bastards. <laughs> oh, God. That's a long one. Uh, if they do that to me... What is it? They won't do that to me, though. They won't do that to me, though. If I hear, if I hear a bang... If I hear a slap on the back of my van... I hear a bang on the back of the van. I hear a bang on the back of the van. And I see them lying in the street. And I see them lying in the street. I tell you something, they better get the power back in the legs before I reverse it. I tell you something, they'd better get the... Their, I tell you something, they had better get the power back in their legs or it's bye-bye Sunday football. So Sunday football is something, you, you know, it's a tradition in England. We play football on Sundays in Sunday leagues, amateur leagues. They better, they better get the power back in their legs or it'll be bye-bye Sunday football, meaning he's going to reverse over them in the van and break their legs. Although it's better if you don't actually explicitly state that. It's funnier. A bang on the back of the van and I see him lying in the street. I'd say something, they better get the power back in the legs before I reverse it. It'll be bye-bye Sunday football, bastards. Or it'll be bye-bye Sunday football, bastards. <laughs> I love the way he says bastards at the end. I'll tell you something, they better get the power back in their legs before I reverse or it'll be bye-bye Sunday football, bastards. 
Street, I'd say something. They better get the power back in the legs before I reverse it. It'll be bye bye Sunday football, bastards. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, or maybe a more reasonable one would be something like this. Singer songwriter of a band. Okay, so this is. I'm just going to randomly jump straight into this clip. Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I? Yes, I am. So this is a more reasonable. This is Jarvis Cocker, who is my neighbour. He lives in the area. I used to live just a couple of doors away from him, but I still uh, live vaguely in the same area. So I see him sometimes. I would love to meet him, but I'm a bit shy to just go, hey, excuse me, Jarvis. Hello, Jarvis. How are you? Hello, I'm just interrupting here because I, well, the the really weird coincidence, um, something that happened yesterday. So this is me from the future recording this after I recorded the rest of it. Uh, So I recorded this episode yesterday, and you just heard me say there that we're going to listen to a little clip of Jarvis Cocker, who is my neighbour. I would love to meet him. I keep seeing him around, but I'm too shy to actually go and speak to him. But I've always really wanted to actually speak to him because Jarvis and me are neighbours, and I'd like to kind of speak to him and get to know him because he's brilliant. So I said that yesterday, and then after I'd finished recording, I stopped, I went out to do some shopping and to go and get my daughter from school. Um, Yeah, she's at school now. And I was walking down the street, and who did I see walking the other direction, walking past me down uh, the street near where we live? Of course, Jarvis Cocker. There he was, unmistakable, because I've learned how to recognise him now. He was wearing a mask. But there he was, walking down on the other side of the street. So those of you who know Jarvis Cocker will know, you know, you'll you'll know the story. Uh, But those of you who don't know, basically, he's a a rock star, okay? He was most famous for being the lead singer in a band called Pulp back in the 90s, one of the Britpop groups. Huge star, I mean, a massive star, and not just famous, I mean, I'm not just interested in Jarvis because he's famous, but Jarvis is just great. He's amazing. He also does a really good podcast, which is called Wireless Nights. But anyway, those of you who know Jarvis will be suitably impressed, right? And you may, if you're a long-term Lepster, you've probably heard me mention Jarvis Cocker lots of times before and about how he lives sort of just down... Well, he used to live just two doors down from me. Now he lives around the corner from me. Um, And how I would... I would so love, A, to actually go up to him and talk to him, and B, invite him onto the podcast. Anyway, so yesterday, finished doing the podcast in which we talked about Jarvis, and then I, I saw him, and I thought, right, I've got to talk to him. I've got, I've got to do it this time. So I kind of walked up to him. We were walking past each other. I, I, I said to him, hey, I've just been listening to an interview with you, I said, And he was like, oh, all right. And I said, "Um, you know, sorry to stop you. Sorry to bother you. I don't want to, you know, take up any of your time. I just felt that I had to talk to you because uh, we're neighbours. I keep seeing you around and I'm a big fan of your work. So I just wanted to say hi because I used to live two doors down for you from you just, you know, uh, in, you know, over just up there. And he said, oh, you know, I don't live there anymore. I've just moved, but I'm still on the on the main street. Anyway, it was. I don't know if you find this interesting, but it was a it was amazing for me, and um, I actually managed to talk to him. And he asked me my name, and we chatted for a little bit and stuff. And then I was like, right, you know, I really don't want to take up too much of your time. I'll let you go now. 
But he was willing to talk to me a bit more. And then at the end, he offered me his hand to shake his hand. And obviously, we were both like, oh, no, we can't do that anymore, can we? So we bumped elbows and um, and said goodbye. And so, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? I've made my first contact with Jarvis. And maybe next time, I'll find a way to invite him on the on the podcast because I completely failed to invite him onto the podcast yesterday, even though I had the opportunity because I could have said this. I could have said to him, oh, I was just listening to an interview with you, by the way, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, because I do a podcast for learners of English and I was looking for samples of people with northern accents, people with accents that are different from mine. And I thought of you and we listened to a clip from 2001 in which you were on the Jonathan Ross show. Um, and then maybe, you know, if I, that would have been a way for me to tell him that I've got a podcast, then I could have said to him, you know what, it would be amazing if, if you were to come on the podcast, um, you know, anyway, anyway, we'll see. I just thought I'd have to tell you that for those of you who are Jarvis fans would be like, wow, that's amazing. Everyone else is like, so what? Carry on with the episode. But anyway, I actually met Jarvis yesterday, which is a huge coincidence considering I recorded all of this yesterday. Funny that, isn't it? Funny the way life goes. Anyway, let's listen to Jarvis Cocker now from 2001 um, in an interview with uh, Jonathan Ross, who's a famous um, TV uh, presenter from England. Okay, so this is Jarvis Cocker. I'm quite modern. I've got a mobile phone. Yeah, but you've only just got one, haven't you? No, I've had it for about six months. So this is... It's Jarvis Cocker, who comes from Sheffield. Let's just listen to him talking. I haven't really prepared this specifically. This is him talking to Jonathan Ross. There you go. (laughs) Talking about whether he's got a mobile phone. I can do text messages in that. (laughs) (laughs) And are you internet friendly? Ambivalent. I don't know whether I'm actually friendly. I, I can do it. I can do the stuff, yeah. I can log on. Yeah. That's what you're saying, isn't it? That's what you say. Yeah. This was recorded in 2001, by the way. Okay. So you're coming up to date with us now? Yeah, I'm down with it, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I have a, an image of you as being kind of like the Alan Bennett of pop. <laughs> you know, the, you're this sort of guy who, which is, that's a nice thing, once again, don't... People keep thinking I'm being mean, I'm not. But the, the idea that you sort of cherish older things, you like the kind of way things were, as much as some of the things from today. And, and you also seem to very much like the North. You obviously, that's where your roots are. And you seem mm. to cherish that still and don't want to pass on from that, which, which makes sense to me. So basically, Jonathan there, he, he speaks with a London accent. He's saying that um, he associates Jarvis with uh, old things and he associates him with the North, uh, which is something that Jarvis is, you know, is always kept and not moved away from. Well, I don't know. I... You're saying I'm stuck in the mud, then, eh? No! Yeah, someone who's a stick in the mud is someone who never changes. <laughs> I'm saying it's a good thing, but it's charming, but it's very different, because most people, especially in, like, the music business... So Jonathan's doing most of the talking here, unfortunately. They all seem very intent on being cutting-edge, up to the minute, being seen to know everything else that's going on, and you don't. And that's one of the things I like about your band, is you seem to sort of exist on your own. Well, that, I, I mean, that's just what I'm like. I like to go on a... I'd rather go for a kind of gentle stroll down somewhere that I've not been before rather than go to some kind of exciting boulevard with lots of flashy lights. <laughs> lots of flashing lights. So Jarvis is from Sheffield, which is, in, which, is, which is in Yorkshire. I don't know. The question is, what do I think when I hear northern accents? I, I can't really answer the question. I just think, you're from the north, aren't you? And everything that means. Um, I like hearing northern accents. And... Um, 
I, I like I like like I enjoy all accents. Uh, there's a certain lyrical quality to any northern accent, which is a pleasure to hear. The way the intonation, the, the pronunciation is different. It's enjoyable. Now, on the subject of northern accents, I thought I'd play this to you as well. This is a pretty excellent tour of the north of England in accents, which was originally broadcast on BBC Radio 4. It's recorded by dialect coach Elspeth Morrison, and she pretty much nails all the accents here. Uh, in the north of England. See if you can follow each accent as she goes around the map. So I'd like you to imagine a map of the north of England. All right, right. Now think of north of England. Most of you are probably going, um, I uh, don't really know what it looks like. Um, but you can imagine the north of England is a bit like a triangle, let's say. Let's just say it's like a triangle, okay? So the north of England is a bit like a triangle, um, a right-angled triangle, Okay, with the longest diagonal side on the left. See what I mean? All right, so the top of the triangle would be, uh, which is sort of, you know, the top of this triangle is on the right, you see. Uh, Okay, the top of the triangle is Northumberland, which is bordering Scotland. And below that, on the northeast, you have Newcastle and Middlesbrough. And from there, um, she goes down the left side of the triangle to the northwest which is actually sort of near the bottom left corner of the triangle. And you get parts of Lancashire, Liverpool, and moving inland, you get Manchester. And there are some mountains there called the Pennines, which run between Lancashire and Yorkshire. So over the Pennines, you get to places like Leeds and Wakefield in Yorkshire. Keep going east, and you get to East Yorkshire and cities like Hull on the coast. Then back up the right side of the triangle, you get to Middlesbrough, Newcastle and Northumberland again. So for this clip, then all credit goes to dialect coach Elspeth Morrison and to BBC Radio 4. But this is a tour of the north of England in accents. Welcome to the north, where a lorry lorry local dialect words are still in use, like Bairns and Newcastle. But in Cumbria, children are barns. And you'll hear a heap of sounds you don't get in the south. There's those dancing light L's here on the eastern side in words like hill and help. But when they travel to Lancashire on the western side, they lose the H and the L becomes heavy and the words become ill and help. Where older folk may still pronounce their R's when they say them in a word and young and old have still got that nice up and down bounce to the rhythm. Back down the county is the Kingdom of Merseyside, which is basically Lancashire with sprinklings of Welsh and Irish influences and where they often can't agree on exactly what is a Scouse accent. Then travelling just a little bit further inland is Manchester, which is actually quite different to Liverpool, where unlike Liverpool, they go down rather than up at the end of a sentence. And if you're letting the space in your mouth and you get on train over them Pennines to Yorkshire to somewhere like Wakefield, you suddenly sound very definite and resolute, like you really know what you're talking about. And if you take the kerch across to Hull, you find that unique er sound, where the locals might greet you with, er, hello. Then you get yourself up to Middlesbrough, where they are very clear they aren't Geordies. People sometimes say it's hard to understand Geordies, but frankly, you've just got to listen a bit better. In old Northumbria, the R can be made at the back of the throat. Nobody in the rest of the country does it, 
and it's really becoming rather rare. And right down in the south of the north are some very expensive bits of Cheshire where you'll find slightly affected people who can sound rather like Hyacinth Bouquet. OK, thank you again to Elspeth Morrison and BBC Radio 4 for producing that. So, more from Koji. He said, like Tohoku people do not mix their dialect with Kansai dialect, these Japanese for, you know, dialects, you wouldn't speak with your received accent with the ones above, would you? I've added the would you. Uh, and I've written, nope, unless it's for fun and I'm imitating different accents. Sometimes I slip into different accents when I speak or when I'm around the house. Uh, you know, like my accent might might shift a little bit if I'm with mates who are from Birmingham or accents like London accents. So I do shift it around, but normally if, depending on who I'm with and if I'm just having fun. And Koji says, I know it is weird if I speak with an accent, but my workmates say I do not have Japanese accents. Hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, Koji, you speak, I guess when you speak English, right, you don't have a Japanese accent. I wonder what you wonder what Koji sounds like. All right, there. My name's Koji, and I'm from I'm from Japan, but I've I've learnt English from listening to Northern dialects like this. All right, how's it going? I'm I'm Koji from from Japan. And then Koji says again, please just ignore this message if you think it's inappropriate for me to ask you those questions. Um, not inappropriate, Koji. Not inappropriate at all. Um, thank you for the message. In fact, I'm going to add some more things. So I'm going to add ain't as well. And I'm also going to add in it. Uh, so ain't, this is more a dialect feature really than a pronunciation feature, but it's worth noting anyway, since we're talking about, you know, received pronunciation and not received pronunciation. People who speak with received pronunciation generally don't say ain't. So you might have heard ain't, you might have heard it in songs, films, TV series, lots of other places. Uh, for example, he ain't coming, I ain't got no money, ain't no, ain't no mountain high enough, the famous song, Marvin Gaye, Tammy, Tammy who? Oh dear. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Okay. He sung Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Now, like, now, so ain't either means be not or it means have not, basically. Like in all of these examples. So uh, an isn't, you can have isn't, aren't, am not, haven't, and hasn't. They can all be ain't. For example, isn't, this isn't my car, would be this ain't my car. Uh, aren't, those aren't your keys, those ain't your keys. Uh, am not, I'm not lying, I ain't lying, haven't, they ain't finished yet, um, and hasn't would be like finished, she ain't even started yet. Okay, now I'm using a sort of London accent there. Um, it's considered to be an error, in fact, but it is very common. Now here's a quick task for you. I'd like you to convert these lines into correct English, quote unquote, correct English. So here we go, the first one. I ain't finished yet. And I ain't finished yet would obviously be I haven't finished yet. Okay? So the next one is he ain't smart enough. He ain't, he just ain't smart enough. He just ain't smart enough. Would be he just isn't smart enough. Smart meaning intelligent in this sense. You ain't coming with this. Uh, sorry. Well, you ain't coming with us. You're staying here. You ain't coming with us. You're staying here. Would be you aren't. Or you're not 
coming with us. You aren't coming with us or you're not coming with us. You ain't coming with us. She ain't got time to hang around with us. She ain't got time. Would be she hasn't got time. And you you know, you know I ain't lying. You know I ain't lying. You know I'm not lying. Uh, this is actually quite common in double negatives, which normally are not considered correct. But you do hear them in sort of different versions of English. For example, I ain't done nothing wrong would be I haven't done anything wrong. Okay, she ain't done nothing all day or she ain't done nothing all day. She ain't done nothing. Uh, she hasn't done anything. And we ain't said nothing to no one, meaning we haven't said anything to anyone. Huh. Okay, and since we've had ain't, we might as well include in it. Actually, just before we move on to in it, I wanted to make a point about ain't. And I was just thinking about my time living in the West Midlands when I was younger and uh, listening to my friends who had that accent. And they would sing, they, instead of saying ain't, they would say ain't. So, for example, I ain't seen it would be I haven't seen it. Ain't. Ain't, which sound it's a bit more like ENT, although you wouldn't write it like that. I ain't seen it. I remember distinctly when I first moved to the Midlands after having lived in London for about 10 years, I definitely noticed things about my friends' accents that I used to kind of comment on to my parents and stuff. And they would say, instead of I, I haven't seen it, it would be I, I ain't seen it. Sin. I ain't seen it. And you know, yeah, I've, I, um, I've seen it at the cinema meaning I've seen it at the cinema. But anyway, it would be ain't. I ain't, I, you know, um, I ain't seen it. Uh, I ain't coming. Ain't. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if ain't is also something that you would hear um, further north as well. Um, all right, we haven't, we ain't even started yet, for example, instead of ain't. All right, but anyway, that's ain't. Let's move on to in it. So in it, now this one mainly replaces isn't it. And it's very common um, at the end of sentences, right? Now, at a stretch, it can replace all the different tag questions. But this is less common and more typical um, of a certain accent among young people in, in the London area these days. For example, Ali G says it a lot in it, doesn't he? Ali G says it a lot in it, meaning Ali G says it a lot, doesn't he? So, for example, isn't it would be that's the right answer in it right? Aren't you? You're our new teacher, innit? Did he? Oh, he went home, innit? And have, uh, like, you know, we've gone the wrong way, innit? But, you know, the most common one is just a, a quick version of isn't it? You know, this is the wrong room, innit? Oh, we've gone to the wrong place. Haven't we? But some people might say we've gone to the wrong place, innit? So, ladies and gents, that is is it. And Koji finishes his email like this. Good luck with your honeymoon plan. I wish you were bright and the happiest married life together. Best regards, Koji. Thank you. So let's all now say thanks to Koji for providing what could be the email of the decade, forming the backbone of this episode, which looked at various features of colloquial accents common in regional accents all over England. And at this point, we all go, thanks, Koji. So, including what were some of the things we looked at? TH sounds, like, you know, um, you know, think, you know, that's, that's the main thing, isn't it? It's the things that you can do, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, with your mother or father, 
glottal stop, you know, skew, you know, oi, dad, can you pass the butter? Sorry, what? Can you pass the butter? Sorry, what did you say? Can you pass the butter? You mean it's butter. Yeah, sorry. Can you pass the butter? No, it's butter. Can you pass the butter? Yes, that's a little bit better. And then we've got the H drop, uh, you know, hello, Ari, uh, you know, all right, Ari, have you been looking around my ass? And then uh, me and my, you know, he'd eaten all me fags and us and me, give us, give us that. Give us, give us me ball back. And ain't like, um, you know, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't got your ball and in it. Yeah. Uh, it's in, it's in your garden, in it. Okay. So I hope, ladies and gents, that you feel that you have learnt something from this. Uh, my next plan is to prepare a pronunciation episode of Luke's English Podcast Premium in which we can practice some pronunciation with and without these colloquial features. Thank you so much for listening. Let me just remind you of some things that I said at the beginning. Luke's English Podcast Premium is an ongoing concern and you should get involved at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Uh, you should remember that the new date for the competition is now the 15th of October. Please tell your friends, tell everyone. Uh, I'm wondering if that's going to cause me a big problem, but we will see if people kind of uh, get it wrong and don't realise. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, secondly... Uh, the Lepster Meetup in Prague is happening on Saturday, the 17th of October from 5pm at Bohemia Boards and Brews. Just t- uh, send an email to Zdenek at Zdenek, uh, teachersdenek at gmail.com or go to Facebook in the Prague Lepsters page and find the event and join up there. Okay. And also, don't forget, you can listen to me talking to Maria on the IELTS Speaking for Success podcast. Uh, in which we give all of our advice on how to use podcasts as a tool to improve your speaking. Okay, and that is available on the page for this episode too. It's a good episode. There's lots of good advice in it. Okay, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Do leave me your feedback as ever. I like to hear from you, as you know. But for now, it's just time for me to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Actually, before we go, I thought I'd make this episode just that little bit longer by adding something at the end here. So this is Jack and Dean. I'm going to play you a little audio clip from a YouTube video of Jack and Dean, who are radio presenters on BBC Radio 1. And this is them reading out song lyrics as if they're being spoken by an angry northern dad. I thought it might be fun to hear them saying these lines that you might know from pop songs, but in the voice of a northern man. There's quite a lot of laughing in this, uh, which might distract you a bit. And some things might be a bit unintelligible, meaning difficult to hear. But generally, I hope you like it. All the videos from this episode are on the page on my website, of course, including this one, if you'd like to watch them again. Okay, so the songs and lyrics. Let me just quickly go through the songs and lyrics you're going to hear just to make it a bit easier for you. I'll read the lyrics and I'll let you guess which song it is. You might know them. Okay, so the first one, the lyrics are like this. This is spoken in my accent. I'm too hot, hot damn. Call the police and the firemen. I'm too hot, hot damn. Make a dragon want to retire, man. I'm too hot, hot damn. Say my name. You know who I am. I'm too hot, hot damn. And my band about that money, break it down. So, of course, that was Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. Okay, uh, you'll hear a clip in, in, in a moment. The next one, 
goes like this. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two, but I can shake it, shake it like I'm supposed to do because I got that boom, boom that all the boys chase and all the right junk in all the right places. And that is (laughs) Megan Trainer all about that bass. You'll hear a little clip in a moment. Now, this third one is a bit of a weird one. I'm not familiar with the song myself, but the lyrics are quite weird. Can you identify the song? So it goes like this. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen, amen, amen. Take me to church. I'll worship like a dog at the shrine of your lies. I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. Offer me that deathless death. Good God, let me give you my life. Hmm, strange sounding lyrics, but that is Hosier, take me to church. Okay, so I'll now let you listen to the video properly, and then that will be the end of the episode. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll speak to you next time. You can now listen to Jack and Dean reading through those song lyrics in the voice of an angry northern dad. Okay, here we go then. What's going to happen now is I'm going to read out some lyrics to Dean from popular songs, but I'm going to do it in an accent. I'm going to try and do a northern sort of Yorkshire accent because it's like the closest I can... We're slightly northern, so it's like the best I can do. Okay, here we go. I'm too hot. Hot damn. Court police at firemen. I'm too hot. Hot damn. Make a dragon want to retire, man. I'm too hot. Hot damn. <laughs> Say my name. You know who I am. I'm too hot. Hot damn. Hot damn. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bad about that money. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. <laughs> Wow, I wonder what that song was. Yeah, I thought it was, is it, was it Uptown Funk? It is Uptown Funk, that yeah. Was, that was weirdly hypnotising. <laughs> I mean, I saw your face just out of the corner of my eye. You're enjoying that? Yeah. Do you want another one? Sure. All right, cool, fine. <laughs> sure, like, I've got, you've got a choice. You haven't got a choice. Here we go, okay. Uh, I'm going to do, like, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm an annoyed dad every time I try and read this. Okay, an annoyed northern dad. Here we go. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two, but I can shake it, shake it like I'm supposed to do, because I got that boom boom that all the boys chase. Oh dear! Where 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 is this taking place? This conversation, <laughs> like look at this, this is skinhead at the bar. Do you know what? I ain't no size two, <laughs> and I got all the right junk in all the right places. <laughs> That's all his mates at the same time. <laughs> What was it, Dean? Was it Megan Trainer all about that bass? Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two. Yeah, it was, yeah. That was horrific. Thanks very much. <laughs> I mean, I'm really enjoying this game. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, let's do the final one. Okay, are you ready? You've done well so far. Two out of the possible two that you could have got. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> This was, I think this is the hardest one because I'm not sure how well you know you this You think song. this is the hardest one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all I'm going to be thinking now is constantly like, where is this conversation happening? Because yeah. I don't know why I just, for some reason, just go annoyed dad with Northern. I don't I like know why it. that happens. Okay. <laughs> with my pint. Here we go. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 <laughs> Take me to church. I worship like a dog on that shrine of your lies. I'll tell you my sins and uh, you can sharpen my, your knife. Offer me that deathless death. Good God, let me give you my life. Northern Dad got quite philosophical towards did, the end yeah. of that, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was like, that's Northern Dad. Dad, Dad you're right. I just miss you, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is it, Dean? Was it, was it Take Me to Church? By who? Who's here? Who's here, but yeah. Damn it. Yeah. I was born sick. 
but I love it. Yeah, you got all three there, Dean. Good. <laughs> One. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.